0: you live in illusion and the appearance of things there is a reality but you do not know this when you understand this you will see that you are nothing and being nothing you are everything I found a dead fox by Mary Oliver. I found a dead fox beside the gravel road, curled inside the big iron wheel of an old tractor that has been standing for years in the vines at the edge of the road. I don't know what happened to it, when it came there or why it lie down, for good, settling, its narrow chin on the rusted rim of the iron wheel to look out over the fields. And that way died, but I know this, its posture of looking, to the last possible moment, back into the world. Made me want to sing something joyous and tender about foxes. But what happened is this, when I began, when I crawled in through the honeysuckle and lay down curling my long spine inside that cold wheel and touched that dead fox and looked out into the fields, the fox vanished. There was only myself and the world, and it was I who was leaving. And what could I sing then? Oh, beautiful world, I just lay there and looked at it, and then it grew dark. That day was done with, and then the stars stepped forth and held up their appointed fires, those hot, hard watchmen of the night. Welcome to the Imperfect Buddhist, where we discuss Buddhism and incorporating mindfulness into daily life. My name is Matthew Hawk Mahoney. I spent most of the week up in Cincinnati, a lot of drinking. (laughs) I mean, come on, free drinks. A lot of drinking. We went to the Jaguars Bengals game. I'm actually from Jacksonville, Florida, and I've never seen a Jacksonville Jaguars game. Isn't it funny that the first time I'd ever see them play would be in Cincinnati, Ohio? Just goes to show how much I care about football. A lot of drinking staying up later than usual i was able to squeeze in 10-minute meditations in the morning before i went to work so i didn't completely fail but hey this show is called the imperfect buddhist naming the show i wanted to set the bar a little bit lower for times like this to be straight with you i'm not an ordained teacher in zen buddhism i don't have any accreditations to my name other than a life coach certificate that i earned through watching videos online I'm not an accredited teacher by any means and I don't try to pose to be one. This show is all about sharing my experience of incorporating these ancient Zen Buddhist ideas into modern life and incorporating those into how I live and then sharing my experiences. I've been sitting for about 10 plus years on and off. I stayed at a temple in Portland, Oregon, Dharma Reign for maybe three months, but I was never practicing monk or anything of that nature. Although I did really consider becoming a monk from my early twenties, 20 to 23, I heavily considered it. And then staying at the temple was a way for me to test that out. This is the Imperfect Buddhist and my name is Matt. I'm not a official teacher. And this episode is about suffering. I got back from Cincinnati on Friday night, a little bit later in the evening. The next day I woke up and I was looking for an adventure. And so I hit up my friend, We One Wheel Together. If you don't know what a one wheel is, it is a balanced board. It's a a skateboard that has a single wheel in the middle of the board that uses technology similar to Segway. Have you ever seen the Paul Blart, the mall cop movie where he has that balancing two wheel thing that he rides around? I'm sure you've seen Segways. If not, that's what it is. These boards use that same technology. They have a single wheel in the middle. You lean forward or you lean back to accelerate. This isn't the cheap boards that a lot of kids got for Christmas a few years back with people falling onto the ground. These are really high-quality, fast, maneuverable boards that you can take anywhere. So I hit up my friend in the morning. I said, hey, man, are you feeling like going one-wheeling with me? We ended up going to this awesome location. It's called Little Talbot Island out by Fernandina Beach, about 30 miles north of Jacksonville, Florida. We just had this awesome time riding on these coastal pathways that were built. We finished off the ride by riding down this sandy pathway that was full of palm trees and had some roots that we had to dodge. It was a lot of fun. We got down to the beach and rode underneath these giant logs that had washed up and bent and curled in the sun. It was just a lot of fun. It was a great way to spend the day. On the drive home, my friend started you know opening up about what's going on with him. I hear the same story over and over. The inability of people to face pain in their life. And his and I conversation on the drive home, you know, some of it revolved around how negative everything feels and how sad the world feels looking at the state of everything. It's undeniable, it's absolutely true. His perception is accurate. Some people take that and they run from it, whether that's through drinking, you know, doing drugs or getting on some type of antidepressant. I don't think there's anything wrong with antidepressants or medications, but I don't think that it should be the first thing that people jump to. As a culture, we have been taught to run from suffering. Now that things seem to be getting worse, there's this looming economic crash, coronavirus, battling between Democrats and Republicans, people feeling like there's no wholesomeness or connection in community anymore. We all find a different way to run from this suffering. Maybe you're sitting there like, why the hell would I want to suffer? What, what, are you, what are you suggesting, Matt? The only thing that's ever worked for me, what's suggested in Buddhism Zen practice is that we start to feel, see, and observe the reality of life. Sometimes the reality of life includes suffering. How many times it does. There is some debate on what exactly the translation was of the Buddha when he said life is suffering. Maybe it could be translated as life is pain. There is pain in life. Suffering, however, is a choice. Suffering is when we get involved with that pain, when we invest a part of ourselves in the pain, when we create a victim stance out of the pain, when we run from the pain, avoid it, act as if it's not real. That's suffering. So life includes pain. Maybe it could be translated that way. I'm not a Buddhist scholar, but send me a message if you think I'm wrong. So what does turning towards the pain in our life look like? Maybe you're catching on that every episode is pretty much the same thing, that we turn towards our pain through meditation practice, through sitting. The big misconception is that doing this is gonna solve our problems or reduce our pain free us from the pain and suffering of life. Mindfulness, zazen, or meditation practice, puts us in contact with our pain, puts us in contact with our reality, with our society's reality. When done right, it removes many of the obstacles to right observation. Right observation is seeing something clearly. It means being with something wholly, not wholly like the Holy Bible, but whole with our whole being, holy. So if you're getting into Zen meditation to not feel pain anymore, I got news for you, that's not how it works. But what it does do is through seeing suffering, the patterns of suffering in our life, in the world, in our culture, there begins to be a bit of separation between the suffering ourselves and our identity. If we're truly sitting, we see the patterns of victimhood in our minds, and our bodies. We see the patterns of fear. We see the patterns of control inside of ourselves, that we need to control everything, fix everything, make everything fit into a box. When we see these patterns, we observe these patterns, we recognize them as other. We recognize them as not our true selves. We recognize that they aren't in alignment with the flow of life. They aren't in alignment with a deeper connection to reality, the way things are. So is what you're saying is I should just watch everything and not do anything, make any change? Maybe that's the accented voice in your head. Zen meditation, mindfulness, it doesn't necessarily change anything. It observes. And through that observation, many times these patterns start to dissolve. New opportunities open up, new possibilities. Maybe you see this pattern going on inside and the opportunity for you to make a new choice opens up. The effort to make that new choice and new action has to be taken for change to happen. Facing the suffering of life, it's not comfortable. Life was never meant to be comfortable. We were sold this idea of comfort and ease through our culture, through our upbringing. Many people in my generation, in our 30s, were sold this version of reality where things shouldn't hurt. We should be saved from any difficulty or frustration. Everybody earns a gold star, but life isn't like that. Look at nature for examples. There's beauty everywhere in nature, but there's also destruction, pain, death, decay. So for us to not see our own shadow, to act like the shadow behind us doesn't exist, anybody that tries to point it out, we call them crazy, insane, or downers. Sometimes people look at Buddhism as like this really depressing thing, like, oh, life is suffering, boo, but when you get into it and you start to practice this stuff, you start to realize that it's a wholeness project. It's about becoming whole as a human being. Look inside of yourself. There is darkness. There is light. There's suffering. There's joy, pain, health. You are all of these things. To deny your wholeness, to deny life's wholeness, you're leaving out a big part of what life is all about. M. Scott Peck says that all suffering is is caused by the inability to face our own pain and to grow. You start to see pain and suffering as just another aspect of life. You start to have an even-mindedness about your experiences, feelings, thoughts, the actions of others, the inactions of others. Maybe there's a food you don't like. You don't like Brussels sprouts. You still don't which you should get over because they're delicious. Would you say that because you don't like Brussels sprouts, it's evil or shouldn't exist, that we should like burn all of the Brussels sprout plants? I'm not sure how they grow, but if that's how they grow, would you burn them all? Would you act like they don't exist? When someone brings up Brussels sprouts, would you change the subject? Or would you turn yourself into a victim because your parents made you eat Brussels sprouts as a kid? Would you turn the fact that you were forced to eat Brussels sprouts into an identity and tell people for years to come that you were forced to eat Brussels sprouts or that Brussels sprouts existed? Maybe this is a bad example. But people do this with suffering in life, with the unavoidable aspects of life. There are some tragic things that happen. I've experienced some really hard things in my life. I haven't experienced the hardest things, like being in Auschwitz or being molested or raped. I've never had to experience that. I've never had somebody murdered in my family. I can only imagine the sorrow and deep pain of such a loss. But what happens when we take these things and we turn them into an identity a negative identity, one of victimhood. We begin to cut ourselves off from the flow of life, from reality. We start to identify with life and the world through this version of pain that we've experienced. What's the alternative? The alternative is to fully feel that pain, fully see the hurt that was caused to us. And over time, we start to allow it to in us. We allow it to soften us and molds us into a greater loving, whole human being. What happens if we do the opposite of this? This pain comes up. We even feel an inkling that it's arising in ourselves and we decide to drink. We decide to do drugs. A lot of people smoke weed these days. It's kind of like a cool culture thing. I think in years to come, we will look at people that wake and bake. Just like alcoholics. Why do you need to wake up and smoke weed every morning? What are you avoiding? What aren't you feeling? That's the two options. We either see, feel, experience, and grow from these realities of life, or we deny them, hide them, victimize ourselves, telling a story about how we've been wronged, why we have an excuse to no longer grow. I'm not saying people should act like something hasn't happened to them. I'm actually saying the opposite. Tell your story, but tell it in a way that is the truth. Viktor Frankl, the author of Man's Search for Meaning, He was an Auschwitz survivor. He was in the death camps. He was released at the end of the war. He wrote this book. He went through this incredible transformation, discovering the spirit of humanity, spirit of survival, spirit of freedom among some of the worst situations that have ever existed in humanity. He writes this about suffering. He says, If there is a meaning in life at all, then there must be a meaning in suffering. Suffering is an eradicable part of life, even as fate and death. Without suffering and death, human life cannot be complete. To truly face our suffering, to truly process our pain, we need to develop attention, the ability to see clearly what's going on inside of ourselves, in our environment, in our world. Zen meditation allows us to develop this mind that can see clearly and to focus. We start where we're standing by recognizing what's happening in our experience, in our bodies, in our minds. Through recognizing what's happening, we gain some separation and freedom from those experiences. We start to recognize our true identity as the experiencer of these things. Facing pain, we can train ourselves in little ways, For instance, in many Zen meditation halls or sanghas, they will encourage new practitioners to see if they can just sit still, even if their legs are hurting a little bit. Maybe their foot has fallen asleep or there's an itch on their face. Practitioners are encouraged to allow these things to be and see if they can sit through this discomfort. This doesn't come from some masochist desire to have people be in pain, but It comes from this desire to help trainees develop a mind that can hold pain, that can hold classically defined negative experiences in an open awareness. So we're encouraged to sit through some of the pain in our legs. We're encouraged to sit through boredom, frustration, antsiness, anxiousness. We're encouraged to sit through these things, to see these things in our bodies and minds. We are training ourselves to be with and be okay with the experience of pain and discomfort. These are small ways. These small things add up, and over time, the great pains of the loss of a loved one, the loss of your home, your savings, or your health. Training your mind to accept these small pains trains your mind to slowly find a way to be with and accept the big pains, the things that hurt and cut deep. When we say accept, it doesn't mean that you're straight-facing your way through these experiences and unharmed, unscathed, unmoved. Your loved one dies, you cry, you break down for weeks, you're not available, you miss work for who knows how long. You truly experience that pain, that suffering. You don't push it away. You're fully in it, experiencing it. That's what it means. But you don't create an identity from it either. All the greatest... Achievements come with their own measure of pain. Think about bodybuilding or running, for instance. It's not comfortable to run for an extended period of time or lift weights or do pull-ups. There's a certain amount of pain involved in doing these things. Being in love, being in a relationship. Many people people my age complain about not being in a relationship. I think part of that comes from this illogical idea that there shouldn't be pain, suffering, or hardship. That there shouldn't be discomfort. That somebody should make you feel comfortable all the time. That whoever you're with should make things feel right, do all the right things, say all the right things. And if they make you feel uncomfortable, that something's wrong and that this isn't a good relationship. We come at life with these false hidden, unfulfillable expectations of perfection. The only real way to approach life is through a mindset of growth, through coming to your experience, relationships, internal world with the desire to grow. And a lot of growth comes through pain, through suffering. You can either opt in for the pain or it's going to come on its own. When we look for opportunities to grow, we seek out discomfort and suffering that is going to come one way or the other. But when we seek it out, when we seek out opportunities to be uncomfortable, we grow. We opt for that growth. We are much stronger the next time the unavoidable sufferings and pains of life come along because we've been training for these experiences. We've been training our minds and our bodies for the hardships of life. I don't know where you're at in life, but I'm surely at the point now where I am disillusioned of this dream that... I can live without pain and that nothing uncomfortable is going to come my way. It's all sunshine and rainbows. The paradoxical thing is once you accept that suffering, the pain of life, it becomes okay. It almost does turn into sunshine and rainbows because you begin to hold all of it as one. You begin to hold all of it as one experience of life. You start to see the sufferings, the pains as these huge opportunities for growth. And sometimes you become thankful for them. You may become thankful for the experience of death of a loved one many years later. My father died when I was 19. I'm not thankful that he's dead, but I am thankful for the experience of his passing because it's changed me on a fundamental level and allowed me to have a much deeper appreciation for my life. And each day that goes by, it tore a hole in my reality. It broke everything down. The air went out of the balloon when he died randomly. You start to find the blessings of the pain. The objective is to allow ourselves to be with the experiences and emotions, pains in our life. That we allow ourselves to experience these things fully, to be in them and with them as they happen, to not hold on to them as an identity. But hey, I still go through it. Those things that are frustrating or don't make sense or push our buttons, they hold on to us. They force us to start talking about them and bitching about them to our friends. I'm guilty of it too. If you can, take time as these wheels start to turn and just see the process happening. Even just a little bit allows a slowing down of that wheel inside that feeds this cycle. So there's two ways you can continue to live. You can continue to avoid your problems, talk your way out of them, explain and be defined by these things. Or you can be brave, you can take a step towards your pain, deepen your experience of life, begin to grow, begin to cultivate a heart of growth through pain, through the things that are hard. Just because this has been such a serious episode, let's end it with a classic Buddhist joke. The Buddhist walks up to a hot dog vendor. The hot dog vendor says, what can I get for you? The Buddhist says, make me one with everything. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to reach out to me, feel free to send me an email at imperfectbuddhist@gmail.com. at gmail.com. I do check that email periodically. I look forward to talking to you next week.